like to pray that I might close so you go ahead, Jay. Um, in case you don't know, um, my name's Jason. And uh, kids, you're dismissed. Um, Do not trample your teachers, please. <laughs> um, I am excited to be with you guys uh, this morning. I'm really excited to be with you guys this morning. And uh, you've, we've talked about... Um, uh, this offering, which of course we're, we're very excited about going to help um, uh, church planters. I reminded you even this morning, Luke is not here. He is preaching at our church plant covenant Shreveport this morning. It's a reminder of just God doing this work um, apart from us. And uh, to meet so many needs, all, all, all of this stuff. And today's going to be different. We're not going to take communion this morning. Um, at, the very, at the very end of the sermon, we're actually going to do our offering at the end of the sermon this morning. Um, but we're going to do a, a neat thing. I want to do a quick plug, very quick. Uh, in five days, I believe, Christmas Eve is five days away. Is that right? Friday night? Um, it's very confusing. We're going to meet here at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. This is one of my favorite services of the year. And we're going to do a thing this year where before and after the service, we're going to have communion available for our families. So you can come either early or stay late as a family take communion together. It's going to be a very, very sweet and special time uh, for our faith family. But I'll say one more thing about Christmas Eve. It is one of the few times of the year that people that are far away from God will come and hear the gospel. And so I would encourage you, friends, neighbors, co-workers, family, invite them in to celebrate and hear the good news of this Christmas season. Um, hey, can I pray for us? Dear Lord, thank you for Thank you for today. Even as my, my friend Rick this morning said, thank you for waking us up today. Father, we're going to open your word in a minute. And we are going to hear the good news. And Father, here's what we ask this morning. For many of us in this room, we have heard the good news a lot. And sometimes we tune out. For many of us, there are a thousand things on our heart and mind right now. For many of us, we are walking through hurts right now. And all of these things, the enemy wants to use right now to prevent us from hearing the good news. So, Father, I ask you right now to supernaturally open our hearts, our minds, our ears, our eyes to hear and see the good news. Because we desperately need that this morning. So, Father, thank you for all that you're going to do through your word. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. So throughout Advent, uh, we're going to be in Luke 2 this morning. And throughout Advent, uh, we've been looking at these themes in our, in our Sunday sermons. So we started with uh, hope and then peace and then last week on love. And we're going to end today with this theme of joy of joy. And this morning I was uh, driving to our office to, uh, 
spent some more time preparing and, and praying for this sermon today. And uh, I had my little Christmas playlist going. And the song Joy to the World uh, came on, which we're going to sing at the end of our service today. One of my favorite, probably my favorite Christmas song, Joy to the World. And then these words, um, you know this, Joy to the World. I'm not going to sing it. Um, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And, and I was thinking about joy today. And here's the problem. Joy comes from God. The problem with us not living in joy is us. So I, I have a, a quote-unquote two-car garage. Um, it's like a one-and-a-half-car garage, really. You know, you know those kind of garages, right? Um, and so uh, my wife uh, gets the one spot, um, like Christ loves the church, like he loves the church. Serve your wife. And um, she gets the one spot. And, uh, you know, I have a used car, and so it's not a big deal at all. But I imagined if for Christmas this year, if uh, my friend Layton said, buddy, I just wanted to bless you this year. I bought you a Tesla. And so that's not me saying anything, Layton, at all. It's just an example, for example. Um, if you did that, I'd sell a Tesla right away, just so we're clear. Um, I don't need that. And, uh, and I had a Tesla, right? It's brand new. It's beautiful. Um, I would not leave that Tesla outside probably, would I? I would find room in, in that garage I would get out the 75 bikes we somehow have in our garage. I would get out all my power tools, got lots of them, guys, all those kind of things. I would make room for this gift. And here is what I really feel like God has for us today, is that there is this, there is this gift of joy that God has for us. But there is some work in our hearts that we must do this morning to prepare room for him. Does that make sense? There are things in our lives, in our hearts, that are preventing us from receiving the joy of the incarnation, the joy of the good news of the gospel. And I'll just be honest this morning, this has been um, the fight for me this week. I really hope that whenever me or Luke or whoever's up here preaching on, on a stage, that we never make it like where there's like this pretty image where this is like really simple and there's no confliction and it's not hard. Because I will tell you, many days, um, it's just hard, isn't it? Me and Tracy, Friday night, are on the couch on date night and I'm sitting there just sharing my heart to my wife and I'm just weeping over just things in my heart that are preventing me from joy. There's not room because there's, this, there's sin, there's worry, there's fear. There, there's real things in my heart. And friends, I know I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And so my hope is that today we can really, and the enemy does not want this. We have speakers literally blowing up behind us right now to prevent us from hearing the message of the gospel. But here's what gets me through. I'm weeping to my wife and all my sexiness and all this kind of stuff. And um, 
like date night, babe. Um, let's share our feelings. And it's terrible for her, Ali. Um, but here is what truly, even as we're singing this morning, here is the message of this season. Here is what joy is all about, is that God came near came near and guys we did not deserve for him to come near there's nothing we did nothing attractive about us but he came near out of his great love which we can't fully comprehend he came near and I hope that we can see that this morning in a new and a fresh way because in our text today in Luke 2 the story you've heard before. You see it on Charlie Brown every year. It's this story. I love that, by the way, Charlie Brown. We see the story of the announcement of his coming. But here is the key. Who this was announced to, this birth announcement, it gives us great insight into the kind of people that he was really coming for, the kind of people that can receive this gift of joy. Let's go to Luke 2. Will you please stand as I read this? Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Joy is all about the good news that Jesus came near. Joy is centered, founded, and sustained on the good news that Jesus came near. The question is this, how do we receive him? Joy of the world, right? Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. So how do we receive him? Today, we're going to look at actually who he came for. First thing right off the bat we see in Luke 2, his birth announcement, it comes to the lowliest of low. It comes to the shepherds. See, in first century Judea, shepherds, they were considered like outsiders, uh, outcasts, the people that nobody thought anything of. They were the lowliest of the low. See, first century Jews believed that God didn't like shepherds and they didn't like them either. Nobody was, we have this picture of shepherds of like, oh, taking care of sheep. It was not looked, looked that way in this time period. Simply this, the world, the culture said they were not important. The world, the culture said they could be ignored. The world, the culture did not give them the time of day. But for some reason, 
this announcement comes to shepherds, which gives us our first insight today on how we receive and make room for joy. It's this right here. He came near to the lowly. He, this is good news, friends. He came near to the lowly. See, shepherds were the lowest. The angel was sent to the least likely people because God came for the least likely people. Look at the Christmas story itself, right? Jesus is born to this poor, unknown teenage girl. Jesus was born with animals. Me and my wife and our kids, we went and saw uh, the chosen uh, Christmas thing that was out. And there was this great, just striking, moving image as, as they're about to have Jesus. And Joseph is shoveling feces from animals away from the manger. And it was this reminder that Jesus was born in just the lowliest of ways. And it's because Jesus came for the lowly. You think of his, his great sermon, right? His almost the constitution of the Jesus way. What's the first thing he says? Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the people who know how needy and low they truly are. Jesus came, look at his, his life, for the outcast of society, uh, for the poor, uh, the lame, uh, the leopard, the ones that people said we could forget about them. Jesus came for them and right to them. Because there's something in the forgotten and the lowly that allows them to prepare room in their heart for the king. And it's two things. It's humility and it's neediness. He came for the lowly. And the kind of two kind of common things is humility and neediness. And here is where this kind of pushes up against us. We're like, if he came for these people, what does that mean for us? See, our issue today is that we strive for status, don't we? And security. Let me put it this way. I strive, I can't speak to your heart, <laughs> speak to mine. I strive for status. I want to be known. I want to be respected and liked sometimes to a fault. Even more than that, I want to be secure. And in that, many times, there is a lack of lowliness in my heart, in our hearts, that prevents us from the freedom and the joy of God coming near. See, notoriety, self-promotion, being seen as important, these they are just, they are the world that we swim in. And it's good for us to acknowledge the potential pitfalls that are in our path. Sometimes in our pride, we think we're above these things. Friends, we're not above these things. We are constantly trying to elevate ourselves, aren't we? And here's the pitfall, that we're placing an importance on earthly status that Jesus never did. 
many times the things that we obsess about and worry about and, and work for, Jesus simply was not concerned about. And we have to reckon with that. And it really speaks to many times why there is a lack of joy in our Christian lives. Because we're not living, in a sense, as Jesus people, but as worldly people. Hear this. Uh, this way of the world, the way of status and security, hear this. It destroys joy. It destroys it. Now, I, I'm not saying that we must take on a vow of poverty or, or, or never be promoted in a job. That's not the, the goal here. But look how, here's the key word. Here's the key word. It's this right here. It's striving. The key word is striving. What are we striving for? Look at Jesus. Go to Luke 14. I don't think it's on the screen. This great parable in Luke 14, verse 7. He says here, Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed, he noticed these people, how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. He's saying don't strive for this lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will beg, begin with shame to take the lowest place. God will humble the pride, the pride, the prideful, proud. One of those words. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who came and sat at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So if he came for the lowly, and he doesn't emphasize our status, and we see that striving for this status is counterproductive to us receiving joy. Our step as a response to him coming for the lowly is this right here. We must stop striving. Friends, we must stop striving for that exalted, what we think is secure seat. This is good news for us today. Stop striving for recognition and security. He came, he came for the lowly. He did not come for the pretty. He did not come for those who have it all together. He did not come for those with the most money. He didn't come for any of those people. He came for the lowly. So we can stop striving. Hear this, friends. We can breathe. There's freedom in this. Even this week, God was teaching me this through uh, my, my little girl Hattie and I, I know I talk about her a lot and my kids a lot I'm, I'm sorry you, you know I'm gonna preach the gospel about my kids that's what I'm gonna do and so um, if we don't like it that's okay um, but with Hattie Jane uh, if you don't know she has Down syndrome and the beautiful gift of, of Hattie's life and others like her there is not an ounce of striving in her body except for Chick-fil-A in the morning she wants that Chick-fil-A in the morning for sure she wants that her fillet she strives for that. But there is, there is just this beautiful childlike freedom in her life. 
and we were in Carlisle the other day, and she's just a singing and talking. And I have the, the just, for some reason, I think I have all these worries of the world on me. Do y'all understand? Do y'all feel that? Is it just me? Where you're dry, and you feel like everything in your life is coming out on you. And I look back at her, and there's a smile. There is just her living and loving life because she's not striving for a stinking thing. Not worried about status, not worried about how she's going to pay for this. She's simply not worried. And friends, that's childlike faith. And in a sense, this is the beauty of people with special needs, right? That we learn from them that there is this way that we can live life. We can have access to a life of joy. But friends, if we are striving the way the world is striving, there's no room for the king. Because we're the king, correct? So friends... He came for the lowly, so we must stop striving. But it's not just our striving that gets in the way. That's a big part of it. It's not just that. See, these shepherds, they weren't just outsiders. They weren't just like the forgotten people. They were also kind of bad guys. Like they couldn't be trusted. Uh, they, they lied. They tricked people. As you study about the shepherds back then, literally their testimony could not be used in a court of law. Because they were so untrustworthy. And it's this great reminder to us that he didn't just come near the lowly, he came near to the sinner. So we think of the lowly, you know, think of the poor, uh, the homeless, the sick. We know he came for them, but he also came for those who just didn't deserve it at all. For you and for me, he came for the sinner. He came near to the sinner. And this is good. This is the good news. What, what is the good news? Well, Jesus came near to the sinner to the perfect life to take our sins away from us, place them on his own shoulders. He came near to the sinners. That is good news of great joy. Now, once again, this announcement to these shepherds that he came to the lowly, these lowly shepherds, of course, these deceitful, sinning shepherds, it's this foretaste, this, this foreshadowing of the ministry that Jesus had to come. What does he say to the, to the Pharisees? He came for the sick, not for the healthy. He was criticized for eating with tax collectors and sinners and all these things because he came for the sinners, rich sinners, poor sinners, all kinds of sinners he came near to. But, but here is our issue when it comes to our sin. This is really simple to me. Our issue is that we live in hiding and denial of our sin. This kind of two-step, hiding and denial what we do see we're passive in fighting our sin now we're active many times in achieving things doing this finding pleasure finding this but we're very passive when it comes to finding sin and here's how i know this is that we are just like adam and eve we're just hiding aren't we we're covering up we want no one to know we don't want to be seen in this we're completely hiding here's what we do we strive for happiness, not for freedom. Happiness can happen in a moment, but freedom many times is fighting. It's fighting. But this, ways, this way of hiding destroys our joy. We will never 
hear this, we will never find joy in shame and hiding. You might find temporary relief from not being known, right? But you're never going to find joy in shame and hiding. So if Jesus really came for sinners, then our response today must be to stop hiding. If we want to make room, prepare our hearts for the king, we have to stop hiding. Somehow, this is what the enemy has done. He has confused us and twisted us in such a way and convinced us that we think the greatest way to fight our sin is to hide our sin. We think the greatest way to fight our sin is to hide our sin. And we spend so much effort hiding our sin instead of fighting our sin. 1 John 1 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I look around this room, and one of the joys and blessings of being a pastor is that you, in a sense, get to walk through people's darkest times with. And I see friends and brothers and sisters in this room who I have seen them go from hiding to the light. I have seen lives marked by shame, insecurities, pride, and fear. And through doing the hard work of shining light on their sins, on their hurts, on their sins against themselves, right? All those things. And to watch brothers and sisters walk in freedom. To walk in joy. And the good news for us today is that joy is there for us. But for many of us, it's on the other side of us not hiding. Does that make sense? So when we take that step, that's sometimes the hardest step to take of exposing our sin to someone else, exposing our sin to God, who already knows, by the way, and letting God begin to do the healing work and bring us joy and bring us freedom. Because Jesus came near to the sinner. He came near to the lowly, and he came near to the sinner. But, it, but here's the interesting part. He came to the, to the outcast shepherds, right? The, the untrustworthy shepherds to give them this message. And they were inspired then to go and do something. Look at Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, message done. The shepherds said to one another, this is so powerful, let us go. Hear this, friends. God comes to the lowly, he comes to the sinner, he heals them, and he sends them. He doesn't heal them and like hide them. He says, no, you're a new creation. You go. Let's keep going. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them 
concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. You see this beautiful picture of this announcement coming to the most unlikely people. And them, in their joy, you see this in verse um, 16, they went with haste. You can almost see them skipping, can't you? Like they're so excited, overwhelmed, they've got to see it for their own eyes. They've got to tell others about this. They go with haste to be the ones to share with others. And listen, it says here, they share this with the mother of Jesus. Hear this, these lowly, unseen, unknown shepherds get this message. And later on, they are encouraging the mother of God. Because God uses the lowly and the sinners to do incredible things. He came near to heal and to send. He doesn't just heal us, he invites us to join him in his work. Once again, even this account here is a foretaste of the ministry of Jesus. This is what he did with his disciples, right? As we ended John, we see this with Peter, don't we? We see this with Thomas, who doubted. He, he sits with them, he heals them, but then he sends them. And there's one other thing about this sending that he does. Look at verse 20 again. It says, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. They are glorifying, they're praising God. There's this thing about sending, that our joy is not complete until it's passed on to others. Does that make sense? So we receive this great joy right? And it is sweet, and it is beautiful, and we're given this freedom. But friends, hear this. When we take this joy and we freely give it to others through our words, through our time, through our money, through our sweat, through our tears, there is a level of joy sometimes we don't get unless we get down on our knees and we serve other people. There is a, there's a freedom in that. This is a terrible example, but I'll tell you anyways. So last year, um, we took our kids on a trip to Disney World. And um, it was a great, it, was a, it really was a great week. And I remember at the beginning of that week, um, I had heard all the horror stories from friends about uh, taking your kids there. And those were true. And, and I told myself every single day, this may sound, y'all probably do this all the time as parents, but I don't always do this. I'm just going to serve my family today. I'm just going to serve today. I did it every day of that dadgum expensive trip. And I will tell you, there was great joy in just humbling myself and making it not about me. And there is this beauty of the Christian life where we are given joy. Like God dumps it on us, friends, through the work of Jesus. And for some reason, we have this tendency in our lives to receive the joy and then hoard the joy right? God blesses us with forgiveness, but yet many times we don't forgive others. God has blessed us in a lot of ways financially, but a lot of times we, we don't bless others. 
God has blessed us with his life. He laid down his life. And many times we might only lay down our life for our family and nobody else. And friends, I'm telling you, we are missing out on a level of joy, a level of freedom by not completing our joy through serving others. So we must just start serving. We should stop striving, stop hiding. We must start serving. Acts 20, this is Paul saying this. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. For many of us, the greatest way we're going to experience the joy of Christ this Christmas season is for us to lay down our lives and serve the unlovable, annoying, wrong, prideful, idiot uncle this year. For many of us, it's through serving the person that gives us nothing in return that we will find great joy. Not serving to show how good we are, right? Not serving to prove some point, but serving to honor God. There is freedom and joy to be found in that kind of service. So my heart today, like what are we doing today? And it's three things. Stop striving, stop hiding, start serving. It's very, very, I've been clear today. I'm proud of myself. Very clear. This is, in a sense, the joy recipe, right? If we can learn to stop striving, stop hiding, and start serving. But what does that actually look like? Here's how I want us to kind of walk in this today. Is I want to walk us through a guided prayer. Where I'm going to pray and just give you some time at your seat to talk to God and do work with God. Because I want us, listen, um, I am aware of just how crazy life is this time of year. But God has truly given us a gift right now, hasn't he? Like we're in a room, there's not real distractions. We have a chance right now to sit with God. And that's my hope for us is that we just stop and sit with God. And so I'm asking you to just close your eyes. And if you want to, to do whatever you want to do, go somewhere, go in the back, get on, however you want to talk with God, whatever, you do you. But I want us just to stop for a moment and do work with God. Let's close our eyes and talk to him. Father, help us to stop striving today. Lord, as we sit in our seats right now, let us come to you and confess the things that we're striving for that we know are getting in the way of true joy.
Father, help us to stop striving today so that we find freedom and joy in you. You have provided everything that we need. Help us to remind us of the birds in the air, the grass in the field. They don't toil, they don't worry, that you clothe and you feed them. Lord, help us to not strive today. Father, there is a disease of hiding in our culture. Father, in this moment, will you remind us of your kind voice? There is freedom in confession and repentance. Lord, speak to us right now. Lord will you put a person in the heart and mind of every person in this room right now to serve this week to tangibly show and even share your good news this week that we would complete our joy by emptying ourselves and serving others give us your heart give us the heart of the God who put on flesh who came in the humility to be a baby to be poor to be unknown to live a life of service to then wash the feet of those who would betray him to give us the ultimate act of sacrificial love through dying on the cross for those who did not deserve it who served us to the point of death father but found joy and obedience and service to his father lord give us that heart today father we ask that you complete our joy that you root out the things you root out the pride, uh, you root out the unseen sins, the unconfessed sins. You root out the desire to not serve, but to, to be served. You root these things out, Father, and we make room for the King today so we can truly experience joy, that we would leave this place, Lord, and we would be a different kind of people, a, a joyful people, a patient people, a loving people, a saved people. 
Father, do that work in our hearts today. And Lord, we love you and we praise you and you get all the glory today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And here's my encouragement, my challenge. Uh, you have cards that you were given as you walked in. Um, if there is work that you need to do, that you need help doing, let us know how we can help you. We, I am not here without the help of others, of you in this room. The body of Christ, we need each other, but we can't help if we don't know, friends. Stop striving, stop hiding, start serving. If you want us to pray for your crazy uncle you're going to serve this week, let us pray for him. Write his name down and say, Crazy Uncle John. Just we're going to pray for Uncle John this week. Let us know how the body of Christ, we can walk in joy together. And now we're going to end a little different today. Normally now we would take communion. But this is kind of the culmination of the year for us as a church, is this offering to support our planters, supports our friends downtown, to support our missionaries, to support families who are adopting and fostering, to support the church, covenant church. This is, this is the time that we as a church, that we're going to do this act of sacrificial giving together. Here's what we're going to do. Phil's going to play behind us. And we have offering baskets placed in the front and the back, just like communion. And I'm going to ask you to just place your envelope in these baskets. Now, if you have given online or if you gave online already, you're going to give online later on, just write giving online. Because I want us as a faith family, this is an act of worship for us. That we're going to walk together and there's going to be this walk that we have and it's a walk of thankfulness because friends hear this today God has blessed us hasn't he he has blessed us through the work of Jesus so now we're going to respond in worship and give back to him and we're going to just take a moment we're going to place our little our, our little tithes our little offerings that we're going to give back to God and we're going to do it with gratitude but we're also going to do it with prayer and faith that God's going to use our humble gifts our mustard seed gifts, right? To do a mighty work. Even as Miss Leslie told us earlier, this work that 40 years later you get a report on, that they are planting and resourcing thousands and hundreds of missionaries. This is, this is the moment for us to respond and worship through giving. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of joy. Lord, help us, help me to stop striving, stop hiding, and start serving. Let us respond. I love you, Jesus. You are so good to us love you. We do and ask and pray all this in your name. Amen.